0: Hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Football Attic Podcast and this time we've got two very special guests for you as well. Uh, but first of all let's say hello to, hello to my usual co-presenter, Chris.
1: Hello there, how's it going Rich?
0: It's alright, now we've got the microphone problems mostly sorted.
1: <laughs> yeah, yes, just... I, I say how's it going knowing full well how badly it's all going. <laughs>
0: exactly, Yeah. yes, we've just spent um, a whole morning trying to get my microphone sorted because I'm trying a new microphone and even now <laughs> it's still sort of cutting out a lot but We'll see how it goes. Uh, and anyway, on to the first of our two very special guests we've got today, seeing as the subject of this podcast is all about kits, yet again. I think it's about the third time we've done it, but who cares, because I love football kits. Yeah, so, introducing the first of our guests, we've got uh, kit, bible, creator, uh, author of True, <laughs> True Colours, John Devlin. Hello. Hello, chaps. Hi, John. How, how are you, you doing, John? Okay? I'm fine. Yeah, well. we... I'm good. And you? We're good now, like I say, apart, yes. apart from just hoping this whole thing actually works.
2: Oh, I've got complete faith, complete faith in you. That makes one of us. Yeah. <laughs> clear, clear.
1: It's obvious this is your first time on the show. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And joining us also is um, the godfather of the uh, website Design Football, it's Jay. Hello,
3: Hello godfather. Jay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> godfather. Yeah, godfather. <laughs> it's good. Thanks. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I've seen, a, I've seen the amount of horses' heads you've left lying around.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say, if this all goes badly, I'm going to wake up in the morning with a horse's head, and I'll know it comes from.
0: If this all goes badly, I just hope I wake up and it turns out it was all a dream.
3: <laughs> I think it probably Third.
0: is. <laughs> if it is, it's a nightmare yeah. at the moment.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for asking.
0: Did we not ask you? I'm no. Sorry, oh well. You don't. Care. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! It's it's, it's going to be like this all podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to right. Be fair,
1: John paid us to ask him, and and you didn't, Jay, so I mean, it's only fair.
0: <laughs> yes. Sort, sort out the remuneration next time. Yes. Oh dear. Anyway, right. right. I'm going to dive straight into it. So I'm going to pose this to our two guests first, and I'll I'll let you fight out over who's going to answer first. Um, it's a question that me and Chris have already asked each other. But what actually got you into football kits and the design thereof in the first place? When I'm assuming it was when you were a child.
2: Yeah, well, for me, I mean, I've often thought about this and and you know doing so much on it over the years. I had to really sit and think. When did I first start? And there was one little book, the Observer Book of Football. You remember those little white Observer Uh, books about A six in size. There was one of those... No,
1: John we've reviewed it on on the on the actual blog site. I've actually written a review oh, of it after that,
2: that I think yes. we I think we spoke about it, didn't we? Yeah. Well, that was the first we thing. There was, there was one edition of that of those books that had little color plates inside of all the club colors and it was the only one that's only it. time they ever did it. The future editions dropped the concept, but it, got was rid that, of it yeah. It was that one edition and that's what got me off drawing them and as a as a primary school boy probably about 7 or 8 drawing them in felt tips and colour pencils on my on my school book <laughs> that was it that so is that little book was the first thing that got me into it
1: wonderful.
3: wonderful
1: So what about you jay uh
3: yeah i mean probably similar to that but but it really started from supporting liverpool and and seeing sort of a change in their kits from sort of 89 through to the 91 92 season where it changed so drastically and i just Suddenly, football kits mattered. That that you could yeah. change the style of what your team wore to that extent so quickly, and and before that, I hadn't even considered it. That you knew which colours your team wore, and even that 89 to 91 Liverpool kit was distinctive, but because it was the only Liverpool kit I knew <coughs> really at that point, um, I didn't I didn't consider it too much. But when they changed and they put the huge great Adidas, Adidas stripes on the sleeves, it was stripes. like yeah it was like Um well, what's going on here how 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 can that happen and and it was such a drastic change, and maybe hasn't been many drastic changes of the same extent since, but that really hit home and and looking at other teams that had changed at the same time, i think o c d came into it as well. you were looking at sort of the templates and seeing that so many different teams around Europe were wearing a, a similar sort of kit, so I, I suddenly became obsessed with that and the, the slight differences between the templates as well.
2: Was that the Adidas, um, Adidas yes. equipment kit, Jay?
3: Yeah, so yeah. when it went from just normal Adidas with the Trefoil to, to Adidas equipment, or whatever they, I think they called it something else afterwards, but uh, yeah, with the new logo and then they changed all the kits like that, yeah, that, that, was, that was the moment. And then you start drawing your own kits and, and, it, mm. and it goes from there. Did you actually
0: like that kit, Jake? Because um, up until that point, um, it was obviously half my family from Liverpool, so I, Liverpool were my first kind of kit club, so to speak, apart from, obviously, my beloved Coventry. Um, but I'd always quite liked the Liverpool kits up until that point, and that kit with the huge stripes on it, I just hated it.
1: Yeah. Whereas I, I absolutely
3: loved it, I have to say. Because you're an yeah. idiot. I think it was, <laughs> it, it was like it was a test like do you, do you care about football kits or not because hmm. I'm not not to say that you don't but when that kit came out it was like <clears throat> can I can I get on board with this can I get on board with the change hmm. and then you get getting interested in marketing and so on as well you you say why have they done this this is such a bold statement to change something as much as they have so yeah I yeah. I, I think it was a shock but it was something I forced myself to like I bought it or I, I had it bought for me as I was a kid but yeah it, it was a shock but then I thought yeah okay but also the way it correlated with Liverpool going from being the best team in the country to, to really really poor like overnight with that kit that that just blew my mind. <laughs> it was like the kit was controlling everything. Well, some would, some would
2: say it was a badge, actually, wasn't it? That that that's something I've always gone on about countless times. Uh, yes. that big, <clears throat> over over kind of overladen badge came out about the same time, and I think you know, I think that's got a big part to it as well. Yeah, I I mean... just, I,
1: it's, it's, sorry, I was just going to very quickly say, Jay. I, I, I just, as far as the kit's concerned, I, what I found quite refreshing about it was it was so stripped down to the simplicity and the the basics of the thing you know gone were all these kind of shadow patterns and god knows what else was on there and it was just i mean it was rampant commercialization let's not be coy about this it was just it's about as bold as you can get as far as a sort of uh, a manufacturer's logo as a as a motif on the on the design is concerned but um i really liked it and i also really liked the green version as well the away kit but um, sorry you were you were going to say
3: uh, yeah, no, I was going to say, I was just going to be pedantic and say that they didn't <laughs> change the badge until the following season. but um, so <laughs> yeah, you're right, they didn't. <laughs> the 91 92 kit still had the same badge, which was great. That was the one I liked. I didn't like the Centenary kit. That's and right, the you Centenary are right. actually happened during the first season of that Adidas equipment style. So the 91 92 season, the actual date of the Centenary is that season. And then they changed to the Centenary kit. For the following year, and the best version of that kit is actually the one worn in the FA Cup final in 1992, which is a completely unique kit. But that's just pedantry for pedantry's sake. Uh,
1: Rich, Rich, are you already starting to feel uncomfortable like me at the level of knowledge these men have? <laughs>
0: I, I don't know, I'm quite comfortable with the level of pedantry that suits me down to the <guy. laughs>
2: But it's funny, I've got to say. When Jay says about change, I mean that's a massive although everyone moans about change, and you know people well, I certainly feel it's too fast at the moment, but for me as well, starting off in the seventies and then when that big the big kind of continental kick thing happened in the early eighties <coughs> with Lecoq sportif <coughs> and Patrick coming over, that had a massive impact on me, and similarly yes. to what Jay just said, I remember seeing Liverpool wearing pinstripes for the first time. Oh. rushing out and saying to my mum mum you know Liverpool changed their kit because I always felt <laughs> Liverpool were beyond changing their kit they were they were sort of so supreme they didn't need to change and it was a massive yeah. realisation that you know this affects every club and, and this is it will never be the same again she wasn't interested of course but there you go <laughs> <laughs> she was like go back to your room John <laughs> something like that yeah <laughs> First oh,
1: so. kit I ever owned, that was John, that pinstripe kit. Really? I, and I, I, I went I went out to buy the Norwich kit, which, which had pinstripes at the time, because oh, no, I just yeah. had this strange, perverse kind of <coughs> liking for it. And they didn't have it in the shop. So the uh, the shopkeeper said, go, What's your second choice? And thinking on my feet, I just thought I'd go for the Liverpool kit, which was the, uh, as you say, the, the Umbro one at the time. And um, yes, I even have a picture somewhere <coughs> of me wearing it somewhere. And it's just, um, yes, absolutely love that
2: kit. Do, do you know, I was going to say I didn't have that kit, but then I've just remembered there is a photograph of me wearing it as well which i'll be trying to post <laughs> but i also had the yellow away one which was very useful oh. the, the fabric was very useful yeah. for sanding walls at the same time so <laughs> not wearing it, you could do a little bit of diy because it was as, as rough it's as anything it really was
0: i think we've mentioned this yeah. on the on the podcast before but that actual kit as well was was a kind of the the epiphany moment for me when i realized that kits change because yeah um as i think i've mentioned before i had um I think what I think now was actually probably a knockoff kit from the market or something, you know, being from Liverpool, it would have been, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, and it was, uh, I had this all red kit um, and my mate had the one with the pinstripes and he was arguing that no, that, his is the Liverpool kit. And I was like, no, mine's the Liverpool kit. Cause you know, my parents are from Liverpool. They got it from Liverpool. And it's like, and he was like, no, but this is the kit. And then it's like, that's the point where I, I actually realized that kits change and it mm-hmm. kind of it kind of blew my mind at the time. But, you know, again,
2: nobody else cared. So, It's just interesting that change is the thing that's actually hooked us all in, I guess, into the whole culture.
3: Yeah. Uh, can I just point out that um, I wasn't born when that kit came out?
2: You can.
0: um, You feel free. uh, Feel free to go away as well.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was
1: going to actually. I was going to pitch the question to the to the two actually, um, John and Jay, to see if either of you actually have the the answer to this because, given the depth of your knowledge, you probably do. Um, (coughs) I mentioned this on on a previous podcast. I always felt that uh, up to very recently that it was Adidas that started the whole kind of pinstripe motif off um and then i suddenly started looking at books like john's and and you suddenly see that there are actually a lot of umbro kits with pinstripes at the time and i s- suddenly felt actually that maybe i'd got it wrong all these years and i didn't know who had maybe brought in the pinstripes first do either of you have a sort of real firm steer on on what the answer to that might be
3: mm. uh i'd say umbro but i mean i wouldn't be surprised if there was like a book to kit or something with with pinstripes from the yeah. sort of early
2: '70s, but John would be the man. I think. Um, I think you're right there, Chris. I mean, I would say it was. It was, Adi- uh, was Adidas, and I'm looking now, but it all happened very, very quickly. Um, for hmm. example, it was only a year later when you get the likes of Oscar, of course, the long-forgotten Oscar, yeah. who made Fulham <laughs> and Charlton kits. They came out yes. with pinstripes. People caught up, as they do now. They catch up very, very quickly. But really, you're looking at Charlton, Ipswich, and <coughs> Norwich were the first yep. I can think of off the top of my head in the UK that had pinstripes, mm. and Aberdeen as well, up, up in Scotland. Yep. Um, and you're, you're looking at, what, 82 there, I think, something like that. Yeah. So, But the
1: reason I say that is, that, is I think that in, even in your... It might have been in your book. I, th- I think Leeds United, which had who had an Umbro kit at the time, um, also had pinstripes and I'm convinced if it wasn't Leeds, somebody had a, an Umbro pinstripe kit that season. I realise we're getting into very serious nerd territory no, here we'll, we'll actually, but Chris, I just wanted to ask the question while we were, you're both on the line.
2: Do you know what, looking at, looking at dates and things at the moment, the, the yellow uh, Liverpool kit we spoke about earlier with the, with the red pinstripes, that was actually released yeah. as a very, very late third strip in 81-82 uh-huh. and I, suspect wow, really? I didn't know that, that. Made, with, with Hitachi as their sponsors and I, I wow. believe that was possibly then the f- one of the first instances of a of a pinstripe kit because oh, the, the, the okay. home liverpool the home liverpool pinstripe <coughs> didn't come out to 82 so yeah it may well have been t- well
1: I'll, I'll I'm happy to go with that. I, I, I take your answer as the uh, absolute authority on that in that case. So um, thanks for clearing that up, John and um, Adidas. If your lawyers are listening, then uh, <laughs> just get on the get on the phone to Umbro. You know what to do.
0: We we know they're not listening. Nobody listens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you never know. Maybe
0: um, actually, I mean, mentioning. Um, I think we covered things like Oscar and and Bookter and Patrick and stuff. And that actually brings me on to the next question. What a segue. Um, and uh, it's basically. And, and before I let anyone answer, I'm actually going to have my opinion on this. It was, um, it's which kit manufacturer do we think should have been or could have potentially been more successful than they were? And one of the ones that Chris has noted, like I say, is Bukta. Now, so I've always said in, in these podcasts that to me, Admiral sort of were cheap to me because like because of the age that I got into football kits, um, whereas obviously I now realise they had like a rich history. But things like Bukta when the only the first time i ever heard of their name was because they made my primary school's football kit and they just looked cheap and nasty so to me again similarly buckter were always a really cheap brand but one thing I've, i i like actually about uh, one of the many things that i like about true colors Bugs, um is going through them you can see i often find that buckter seem to have like copied a lot of Umbro's designs a couple of years after they've had them so i think when um the 1988 uh england kit came out and there was a lot of like celtic and rangers and i think the rangers top had like a kind of um checkerboard shadow pattern on it Mm -hmm. um and they obviously had that bizarre round neck and then about two seasons later i think bukta did that for someone else and there's quite a yeah. few of those I think Match West win- Ham. Yeah, I think match Winner were another one that did that that you sort of see the big boys have got their designs and a couple of years later these little smaller independent, more independent ones come along and, and just basically rip them off
2: I think that's, that happens now I mean the, the thing is going back to, to the Buckter situation of course for, for the vast majority of the last sort of uh, decade it was really only Buckter and Umbro that they completely yeah. ruled the football kit world. So nearly virtually yes. any team was supplied, you know, throughout the 20, uh, the 30s, 40s, 50s, etc., by one of those two companies. And it was only really when Admiral came along that they kind of broke that monopoly. So although by uh-huh. the time we kind of got into kits, Buckta were, were only popping up now and again, they had been around, yes. but on un- unbranded shirts, for many, many decades. So in fact, their heritage is, is there as well.
1: Yeah and it's actually one one thing that only very recently came to light for me as well actually John is is um how many teams have actually had a buck to kit at some point in their history and we're not I'm not even talking about the sort of vintage era that you referred to there but also just um in later years particularly in the 90s I mean the the <coughs> number of teams that have had a buck to kit at some point uh just it, it goes on and on and say so even my own team West Ham I always sort of forget that we had a a, a buck to kit in the early 90s so um it's interesting actually uh, on that point um Jay I mean it's from, from Sorry, go on, so, John.
2: Just to say very, very quickly. Even, even England, just before um, in the first part of the 1960s, if you look at England football mm. online, they they were wearing Buckter just before they switched to Umbro to in the, the early kit. 60s. So,
1: yes, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just going to say, Jay. I mean, from a point of view of um, as someone who runs a website that invites people to design their own kits and and, and upload them to your site, and a uh, fine job you do where that's concerned as well, I may say. Um, do you, what do you do? You sort of see trends of when people are designing their own kits that they're kind of borrowing elements like that, like in the way that we've just sort of said that um, certain manufacturers might mimic others um, when they bring out their own kits? I mean, do you sort of see people kind of borrowing, you know, collar styles or, you know, patterns and things like that on their own kits? Is that is that a, something that you expect to see quite a lot?
3: Yeah, I mean, a few years ago, that was the only way, really, because everything was... Um, was via the, I think it's Football Manager online or something that you, you get these templates from there so they'd be the current kits and you just color them differently so that was the way it started out really and and that's what you see still on a lot of forums <coughs> but um I think now it's it's like a mix of the two that it's so similar to to what other manufacturers are doing that they will uh take a style from from a manufacturer from a like Adidas or Nike usually uh, and then they'll edit it slightly, or they'll take inspiration from it. So it, it's just the same way as the smaller manufacturers will will do it. So will the amateurs will do it. Um, they'll just take a leaf out of their book, I suppose. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, but the, but there is a lot more imagination now as well that that they don't necessarily need to. So the unique designs are almost as good as as those that that get a helping hand from from Nike or Adidas or Puma or whatever. Mm.
1: Hmm. Um, because there was a there was a um, instance. Uh, Rich, I think it was on a previous podcast. Probably the last time we were discussing uh, football kit designs. About was it? Was it saying Adidas copying Lecox's teeth on a? Was it an Argentina? Oh uh, yes, the, the, the like? twenty
0: ten Argentina kit. They basically, um, well, it was basically, and it, uh, to be fair, it's not like they were trying to hide it. They they said it had been inspired by uh, the eighty six <laughs> um, kit, and I I quite liked it. To be fair, it was nice, you know, but my only complaint was it had, you know, one of my big bugbears of lots of superfluous design cues on it. It was just like, you know, things you didn't need to do, like, oh, let's just chop the corners of the stripes off with a bit of blue. It's like, oh, for God's sake, you know, just just <laughs> stop it. Just stop it, Adidas.
3: <laughs> I, I think with, with Adidas and Lecoq's Sportif, especially the 80s kits, I, I'm, I always check this and then... Excuse me. <clears throat> and then I forget that I think... Adidas owned Lucca Sporty for a while in the 80s. So did they? yeah, I always say it, and then I think, <clears> is that <throat> actually true? Have I just made that up? <laughs> did, you, did you dream <laughs> it one day? You've made Yeah, it I probably days. dreamt it. I dream about football kits every <laughs> other night, so probably. But the, so the intellectual property of that kit is is probably it might well be Adidas's anyway. In the same way that when Nike owned Umbro, they rehashed all their old kits. Like the, the right. Celtic Bumblebee and all that kind of stuff, because they just own the rights to it. If you look at Nike's kits this season, the amount of influence from last season's Umbro kits is just. It's crazy. Like, the, it's unashamed. <coughs> and so Adidas will obviously do that. I mean, but you see other things like that. Like, there's that um, retro Mexico shirt, isn't there, from the 86 World mm. Cup that Nike. Yes, got. yeah, or, i got that. Got one. Yeah, and, and that's. <laughs> But, but Jay, that's, was... that was an Adidas kit, wasn't it? And it was, They yeah. just put a a white bar down the sleeves rather than the three stripes. Isn't, yes.
2: there, just... something, isn't there something sim- similar with the um, Lecoq Sportif Spain kit as well, though, Jay? Where Adidas have used that? as Yes, they did, now. yeah.
0: Yeah, because at the 2010 World Cup, they Adidas actually released a series of um, kits that sort of commemorated certain things. So they, what they did was they had like a dual box which had the latest kit, and one of their previous kits but in the the 2010 ones obviously the argentina one i think they released a 1978 one because obviously it was made by adidas right but um but i think you're right the spain one i'm pretty sure was the Lecoq sportif one because
2: so maybe you're right there is some kind of connection <coughs> or correlation between the two companies then
3: yeah I, I think there's there's so many instances of that kind of thing that i think that does point to um, my dream being correct
2: <laughs> one thing actually
0: an interesting point it does raise is, is how exactly how far can you go in terms of intellectual property because it's like the 86 World Cup one from Argentina was just blue and white stripes it's just like how can you you can't really sort of copyright that or, or sort of claim it's intellectual property other than the, the unique design being that the white stripe was in the middle but it's like it, it was a very basic oh. kit and, and to be fair most of Coq Sportif's kits for Argentina in the 80s were pretty much the exact same kit with a different neck on it or with the stripe in the middle. It's like, you know, it was, it was exactly the same kit all the time. So it's, it's kind of an odd one to say, well, we've got intellectual property over that because it's like, it's just stripes.
2: <laughs> but you've, hit, you've kind of hit <laughs> the nail on the head. I mean, that's exactly what Admiral did when they launched or, or kind of aggressively launched and marketed replica shirts back in the seventies by adding little flourishes and design elements. That's what gave it, that's what's made um, a plain red shirt an Admiral. Red shirt by adding the different elements to it. So I think it's obviously you've got your basic colorways, it's what you do with it and the little flourishes and the, as you say, the design cues that you then add. That's what makes it unique and makes you feel inferior yeah. if you're not wearing that official replica.
0: There you go, that's it. Exactly. The thing is that, and that appeals to sort of utter pedant kit nerds like myself and No Dap J as well. It's <laughs> just like the amount of times, I mean, I've said this before on podcasts, but the amount of times that on, I'll see shirts on eBay and I'll rant because it's just not exactly right, and it just yeah. does my head in. But the worst thing is, is that when you do that with kits from the 80s and early 90s, is that a lot of the time the replica kits did actually have quite a few variants. I mean, I know, for instance, that the Holland 88 kit had about four different retail versions, and, and I don't think any of the retail versions were the same as the actual um, player version as well. So it's just like, it's an absolute minefield.
2: <laughs> Well, it's like when you look mm-hmm. at Toff's kits and you look at the ones that they reproduced from the seventies, <clears> and of course not just Toff's other other retro <laughs> school kit drawing. manufacturers. Are available. You look at some of the collars back then, and they were nearly touching the shoulders, and you don't get that anymore. And that's <laughs> that's the kind of detail I'd like to see. You know, oh, like, yeah, big collars. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, I agree.
3: That's 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 because it's not saleable. Makes that word.
2: Because, well, because right, yeah,
3: you you want a shirt now that. But... Well, they want a shirt that will sell. That someone will look at and go, "Oh, yeah, I could wear that. I could wear that to the football because no one will laugh at me too much." Well, no, don't make it then. Make well, it, a, it hmm. properly. It's, it's the same and way as, as what, go out of business.
2: <laughs> when you, well, the thing is, that Jay's words well, when you said about liking that Liverpool Adidas equipment shirt. I think the the early nineties was a real, as you said. You, I've never thought of it like that, but they were testing. The kind of devotion of fans how much do you love your club will you wear the bruised banana arsenal away shirt you know and i think it's all it would be interesting to see how far they could do it i mean fashion always goes in cycles why not go for the massive collars and see what happens you know be interesting
0: i think they should do that they should bring it back collars should go down to the elbows Yeah. Oh uh, dear, <coughs> just stop, just, just, let's just wait for a
1: moment while I just visualise that, sorry, go on, carry on We all are, yeah I <laughs> uh, Maybe, yeah.
0: maybe not I don't know. Uh, But yeah, actually going back to that, the original question actually was that, so in terms of the um, the, the less well-known manufacturers um, do you have any favourites, because I mean, I personally I, I don't know, like Patrick and Pony I, I never seem to like any of their kits I mean, Kov had Pony kits for a while I just detested them. Um, and I know that Pony on, I think like the Southampton one, especially the one with the giant tick on it. I mean, I think West Ham had that and you quite liked that one, Chris. But, oh, I did see, yes. see, it, it wasn't too bad on that. But for me, the one on the Southampton shirt just ruined it because it's like you've mm. got stripes and then they ended in this stupid tick. And it was just like, I, I just, a bit too busy. So, so my general opinion of, of a lot of the more independent ones has always been pretty lame because to me, they just looked a bit naff. I don't know if that's just me though.
2: Well, I think with, with Pony, with Pony especially, I always, I always thought they looked quite good. But so many people have said the actual physical quality of the shirts was poor. And uh, Roy Rayland, the um, the old Spurs kit man, he he slates Pony in his biography, autobiography, saying that the, the fabric, you know, they were some of the worst kits he'd ever handled.
0: Well so I mean, just on a minor point, the name Pony for crying out loud, <laughs> Pony. Who would call it Pony? you call it Dead Dog or something. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I think it's it's a, it's quite a brave thing to do to to put your emblem which we, for them was that tick when you're a brand that's not known. So Adidas obviously everyone tied the three stripes in with Adidas and when in 91 they brought out all those shirts of huge three stripes on the shoulders it was still well this is clearly Adidas because everyone knew that that, that was their emblem. But when you're a, a lesser known brand like that it's it's a brave thing and a dangerous thing and and probably a, a foolish thing to actually put. We, if you think about where Pony are now, to put yeah. an emblem that people don't know, which completely is the focal point of the kit like that. I think that was, yeah. Um, well, I think history tells us that that didn't work out too well.
2: Well, the period of See, that, think that, that th- kit as well, Jay, was the fact that I think didn't add didn't Adidas change their logo that year, so it was almost. By changing the logo and then introducing these massive three stripes, it's almost a way of saying to people, "Don't panic. It's still Adidas, but we're yeah. changing." You know, maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I was just going to say, in, in the case of the um, the the pony tick um, template, which West Ham had, that what made me like it and it was it could only have worked with West Ham really is um, I remember I was on holiday at the time that that summer Uh, I can't remember where I'd gone it might have been something like Hastings or something like that gone away for the for the week with the family and went into town went into this um, shopping arcade and there was a sports shop there and I could see from seemingly a mile off I could see it hanging up this shirt this new West Ham shirt with the tick on it and of course (coughs) the first thing I thought of was the classic Admiral Chevron's design from the late 70s mid to late 70s uh, which had a similar kind of v point and i thought what a great way to kind of have a subtle nod in that direction to that previous design thing but of course if you're a southampton fan or i'm trying to think of anybody else who had that tick actually um did Coventry didn't have the to they just had no. it was made by Pony. But so it, it could have only worked with West Ham. But that's part of the reason why I liked it so much, and and I just I bought it on the spot. There you go; I, I admit it.
2: But surely, with, surely, with a West Ham fan as well, Chris, that didn't Pony. <coughs> they brought back the classic um, pale blue with the two claret stripes uh, hoops across the chest. Yes, and of course that that's right, that hadn't been around for. Goodness knows what twenty years with West Ham. So I've always that's right. Always kind of had a a soft spot for Pony because they brought back. They were one of the first kind of smaller brands that said, Do you know what, let's let's go back kind of retrospectively and pluck out a design yep. from history. So I've always thought that was quite a good. That was a good touch on their part.
1: I think yeah, and if you want to get if you want to get the fans on your side, that's a good way of doing it, isn't exactly, it? yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I think for me, they just, they were dead because they were called Pony. I couldn't get over it. <laughs> oh, You're still struggling with that one, aren't you? <laughs> I, I have, yeah. I've been struggling <laughs> with it for nearly 20 years. But I mean, the, the cov kits that we had from Pony, I mean, a lot, again, I always seem to be completely at odds with most Coventry fans. It's like, I absolutely detested them. And it was, it also coincided with a period where we had Phil Neal in charge. So, you know, kind of <laughs> everything was dour, but they made, I mean, basically they based it on the 60s one. Um, which we actually had yeah. sort of redone a couple of seasons ago, which was really nice. I really liked it. And we, a couple of seasons ago, we had similarly a 60s one, which was the, um, the black and green away kit. Now I liked that when uh, yeah. we did it a couple of seasons ago, but when Pony did it, I just hated it. But I hated the Sky Blue, the home kit, because it just looked, it's really insipid, weak kind of Sky Blue. So, I don't know, and then I think the following season, the away kit was the kind of purple and yellow atrocity. So. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, I just, I mean, that said, though, if you look at the kit that we've got now, Jesus, that's just awful. I don't mind
1: that too much, funny enough, I don't oh, know. Like, again, again,
0: I, I, well, no, again, I, I seem to be at odds with most people because a lot of Coventry fans I've spoken to on Twitter said they quite like it, but I just think it looks horrendous. Well, there's,
2: some, there's something wrong with the shades of blue. They seem to be, they're not working together in my view. They're really clashing.
0: Yeah, what is that? I my finger on it. I don't like that design template either. I just think it's a mess. I just it's like stripes is fine, yeah, and I don't mind the odd, sh- you know, like a cut off shoulder panel, but it's just, oh, it just doesn't work for me. It's just, and the top part, the top panel's actually like kind of some got like a honeycomb weave on it, so it <laughs> looks right. like some kind of like nappy liner or something. Is
2: that honeycomb? <laughs> is that is that weave on on all those puma shirts? I no. don't, I
0: don't know. No, I, I, I don't think it might. Typical. They just reserved it for Coventry then. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I don't, I I actually wanted to ask you why they've used it. Because is there, did you used to be called the Bees or something like that? Why, why they've used that honeycomb on the. Brentford.
0: I have absolutely no idea. I have no idea. I just, just for other
3: teams, it's like a, it's like a crowd shot. I think they've got for a, a, Borussia Dortmund kit. I think there's, there's a crowd shot and they've done various different patterns on it. But I, I don't think that that honeycomb is on, on all of them. Or maybe that is, maybe that's like the, the sort of team temper version or something M- like maybe that maybe like, you know, it represents something got a
0: northampton i don't know
1: <laughs> i've got a theory on i've got a theory on this i think you know if it's a honeycomb pattern i'm thinking you know, geometric uh, shape you know he's got six points that's probably about as many as you're going to get this season isn't it Is right,
0: <laughs> um yeah 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 that's funny chris seen, uh, <laughs> and it was nice con- it was nice doing the blog with you chris you know <laughs>
2: conceptual kit design there then
0: <clears throat> oh, God, yeah, if you want to call it that. <laughs> oh God, no, I, I quite like
3: it, by the way. I think it's quite good. You're wrong, but, you know, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, like think just... I say, I
0: just, I just seem to be completely odd. Everyone else I know seems to like it. I just think it looks awful.
2: Speaking of kits that look awful, maybe looking at, <coughs> looking at smaller firms, I always had a real soft spot for Match Winner. I know they get slated a lot mm. for some of their designs, but mm. some of their home kits I thought were superb in the early 90s. Really, you know, really strong, solid, solid work. I'm trying to think if it was, um,
0: oh, is it West Ham? I know it was Scoreline that West Ham had. Um, yes. Because I, I really liked the, the sort of 8687 kit that West Ham had, which was apparently, um, and not a lot of people did because it kind of broke with tradition and stuff, but it was the one with the kind of horizontally stripes and didn't have Horizontal much sky blue stripes. on it. Um, but I they really didn't liked have Pale that. blue sleeves. Yeah. And then I think it was Scoreline <coughs> that came along and did this kit with a gigantic neck on it. Um, And two um, sort of the the blue panels were down the side, and I just thought it looked the cheapest, nastiest kit that I'd ever seen. It was awful.
2: I know the one you I I didn't like the
0: scoreline kit.
2: Yeah. I, funny enough, my nephew still had. I was round, saw him a couple of months back, and he still had his shirt from that from that (laughs) era. And it it didn't look. Funny enough, you know, twenty odd years later, it holds up fairly well. Yeah. Well,
1: I have to say, that there are some designs I've sort of thought, oh, my God, they're terrible. And then you do see them that time on, and you kind of go, actually, maybe not so bad. I think they, the, certain designs can <clears throat> soften. I don't know if you've, any of you have uh, had a similar experience, but, yeah, I've, I've kind of found my, my views on certain designs softening uh, uh, on o- over an admittedly <laughs> long period of time, like 20 years.
2: Yeah there's, yeah. there's been a few, but then, again, some have got worse. I mean, I'm just thinking as well as the butter. Uh, <laughs> Uh, West Ham 9193. Oh, I thought we, you might mention that. Do you, know, yes. do you remember the one crit? I mean, that was yes. just awful, <laughs> really poor. Really, I'm, think,
1: oh. I'm thinking also, particularly of the away kit, which had it was white and it had these strange sort of diagonal blue, blue and claret flashes along them, uh, through the middle, uh, across the middle. It was kind of just a real odd, kind of strange concoction. And I think well, was that a book
3: ticket? That one, it was, yes. yeah. yeah, it was.
2: Better. And I think, uh, accompanied by the fact that those, you know, shirts became really massive for the first time for years, mm. it kind of, yes. you know, made it even worse. <laughs>
1: you just now I can back... see
3: Trevor Morley
1: playing playing in that kit.
3: Sorry, go on James. Just going back to to Match Winner, the, the great thing about Match Winner was they released a, a Bolton kit that had Reebok as a sponsor, oh. and that's just that's <laughs> just about as good as it gets. Just to have <laughs> to have <laughs> one manufacturer and then and then another manufacturer but they didn't they hadn't made any football kits by that point which is why it happened but um yeah to have another ma- manufacturer as the sponsor is just brilliant I think and it
0: matches. was Matchwinner that made one of my favorite ever St Mirren kits as well which is the, yeah. and I think they also did Huddersfield one I own the St Mirren kit and I've been trying to get one of the Huddersfield ones as well but they tend to go for a lot of money it's the it's what's known as the bib kit which was oh, this another oh, one. it's just yeah. an atrocity really it's like it's really thin black and white stripes that go about halfway up the kit and then stripes coming in from the shoulders that also stop at the sort of chest bit it's, if you think of the everton 85 86 kit with the the yoke as it was called it's like that only as if someone had a migraine on top of it
2: <laughs> yeah i do i do remember i do remember the one but that that bolden kit in, in particular jays is, is one of my all-time favorites and i think the fact that match winner had their logo on the sleeve as well rather than on the front of the shirt just made it look really classy.
1: wasn't Wasn't it Matchwinner who did the Hull City tiger skin kit?
2: Yes, it was, uh, yeah. as I call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the one that crops up regularly in the in the Guardian. And worst, the males, worst ever worst kits ever things kits. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But that's, yeah. that, that just makes me angry. That's such a brilliant kit. Yeah, the, the one really that is. was released later, which I think is Pallada or <clears> something, which which looked more yes. like a leopard print or something. That was horrendous. But that that one, that Matchwinner one that's a really really great kit
2: totally, yeah totally right totally agree but that,
0: the... that's the thing when you get those kind of features on oh these are the worst kits of all time and like half the time well, a few of them go I really like that I don't. I know it's insane the design but I really yeah. like it you know you can't always have boring stuff but I, yeah, I, I I,
2: that's what I sorry go on Chris
1: I was just going to say that's what I have to I always have this kind of um, argument with myself about which is that sometimes the, 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 the kits you think oh my god they're absolutely awful but then you have to actually give credit for the fact that they've been um, original and creative in coming up with a design like that rather than going through the same old stuff again at least they sort of said let's do something different exactly. I mean okay you might polarize opinion but at least they've actually pushed the boat out I'm sure there's some uh, uh, kit manufacturers I could mention that uh, generally don't uh, as their general way of working, but I it, it uh, precludes me from saying. Mike, Mike. what? <laughs> <laughs>
2: but you, but you, yeah, I think you're you're right because otherwise things stay static, and you know you've oh. got to. And whenever you see these brave designs, you then see the uh, the ripples of that just 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 yes. go out yeah. across all every other company, and before long they're all doing it. I mean, we all remember. Is it the um, the the Spurs Forest Cup final? When Spurs came out with <laughs> the massive baggy shorts that Umbro produced, everyone yeah. was in hysterics. And yet,
3: two years later,
2: oh, everyone's back again. You know, everyone's done it. Yep. I'm still waiting
0: for the really tight shorts to come back.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. That's. I think that's a serious point. I think that will happen. I think. Yeah. Umbro tried it the past couple of seasons. The the shorts that they've been giving the players are not the usual sort of XL or double XL anymore. They have come down to sort of a large, I think, and they do look a lot more. Slimmer cut. I mean, I, I obviously spent too long looking at that Men, area. Looking at men's shorts. Professional <laughs> footballs but they just seem a lot tighter on, I mean, particularly on Sergio Aguero, I've noticed. Uh, his shorts look particularly tight, but he has got huge thighs. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Is it just has got a hot in here? <laughs> but just more points of pedantry. Those, I think those Spurs shorts in 91, the only reason we always talk about the Spurs shorts changing everything is because they wore the following season's kit in the FA Cup final. That's right, yeah. When, in fact, I think there were several teams who, in 91, 92, would have had those bigger shorts. But we always describe those the Spurs shorts because yes. they were, they were, theirs was the first kit that we actually saw. Got even first,
2: yeah. I don't, I'm not sure. I'm, you may be right. I'm not sure. I mean, I've, looking at sportswear catalogs of the of the era, it's really funny because they, they often have the... Um, the old home kit, because of course in those days it was generally two years per per kit, they'd have the old oh. kit with the little snuggy, snug shorts, and then they've got the new away kit with the, the baggier shorts, and it was yeah. really glaring, the obvious, you know, it just didn't look like, and that's sort of a real bugbear of mine, is that a kit, a set of kits should look like a set, they should be for the team, and, and actually have some kind of continuity going through them.
3: But then you'd have to have one season kits,
2: wouldn't you? No, not <laughs> if it's well considered. <laughs>
1: it's being churlish now can you hear that yeah sorry I've,
0: I've just all i've had in my head for the last few minutes is sergio aguero <laughs> <laughs> i'd to get that in <laughs> oh,
1: it's, it's, i must admit i remember i could, even now i can remember sitting there watching that 91 cup final and um <clears throat> my dad bless him wasn't that much of a football fan but he kind of knew kind of what was what and i can just remember saying dad dad look look on the screen I said look at those shorts because i thought he'll, he'll he'll know what all about you know long shorts he's he's old he'll know <laughs> what the 50s were like and uh, i remember him sort of looking and him oh yeah they're, they're, they're a bit strange aren't they and it was just a kind of a real kind of iconic moment really um but i mean going back to the thing about shorts going back to being short again um i can remember oh a good few years ago, um, back in the days when I used to watch Soccer AM, <laughs> happy days. Um, they did. I remember that once or twice on there, there were they. They would do this thing of, oh, you know, is this going to be the season when we get go back to having short shorts as if they were almost trying to kind of coerce it to, to make it happen, and it just never seemed to quite take hold. And I, Every year I always sort of have a look around the new kit designs that come out, and you're going to go, uh, nope, nope, looks like it's not going to be this year, and so you wait for another year. But, um, I mean, can you see it happening in a, in a big
0: way anytime soon, fellas? Not anytime soon, I can't, no. I, 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 well, it depends how short you're talking. If you're talking like kind of mid-80s short, <coughs> I, mid-80s I, I, I don't know if that will ever happen again Because that, that was just that was I don't know that might be public decency questions you know nowadays. <laughs> it's certainly, be allowed, um, but yeah, I do, yeah. well, they, they are ridiculous at the moment. I think it was um, in Euro twenty twelve. I am trying to think who it was. It might have been Italy, and their shorts were like way past the knee. And you are thinking that's not shorts anymore. That's like that's yeah. like three quarter trousers. It's but like plus
2: shit. fours. It's, I was I was speaking to some kit designers recently, and they did say they've got no doubt they'll be coming back fairly soon. I think looking at how they're... I think one thing I didn't always realise was how, how much fabric technology governs kit design. I mean, I, I focus mainly on colours and styles, but for a, a kit designer, a lot of the time, it, it is the fabric, it is the technology, it's the, the way the shirt's constructed that kind of determines the design in a way. And he he was of no doubt that tighter, shorter shorts would be back.
3: Yeah, I think it's I think think actually that right that they should. Uh, hmm. I think they should come back because players have got the legs for it now. Whereas in the 80s and stuff, they just used to eat pies and, and drink lager, but now <laughs> well, they're actual smoker. sports... Yeah, so now... Well, yeah, but that kept them slim. But, um, <coughs> Jack Wiltshire didn't seem to mind that. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, yeah, but but now it's... Now that they are actually finely-tuned sports people <coughs> rather than just slobs... Um <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's a little bit harsh. <laughs> well, I knew West Ham would get back into the conversation. <laughs> it's, it's almost it's almost perverse that now we we cover up so much of the leg, whereas in the eighties when they didn't look so so great, we we would show a lot more leg.
2: But also, okay, I guess Jay as well, it's it's this sort of base layer technology as well. The players, you know, it could well be that the whole way that a kit's worn and our concept of what a kit is will change dramatically within, a, you know, a few years.
0: Do you think, therefore, that we will ever hit the point where we get the uh, Cameroon onesie?
2: <laughs>
0: Personally um, I've I
2: quite...
3: Yeah, maybe it, it's only if it's in, if it's required, though, isn't it? It's, it's only if, but that, that what John said is right that the sports where what do they call it performance technology is is all important now so if it means that uh, someone can move faster by 0.01 of a percent then then it will be a onesie yeah fine because that's what's required i mean socks socks are probably in a horrendous material at the minute for what they actually do or what their purpose is so so maybe it's just going to be Painted on or something, I don't know. <laughs> spray socks. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sprayed on. Yeah, well, in fact, yes. you just have to get a tattoo. If you join a club, that's it. You have to get the kit tattooed <laughs> onto you. And you, and it has
2: to change every year as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think spray technology, I've, I'm sure I've heard that mentioned somewhere before, actually. Was <laughs> no, it another of Jay's dreams? <laughs> yeah, it <might> be. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I've just lost the plot now. I was just thinking, I think we've definitely established Jay is a leg man. Um, <laughs> but, um, I forgot what I was going to say now. i completely lost the... Lost the uh, but carry on. I'll, let's, I'll, let's, I'll let's, move be on. let's move
0: on. Let's move on the legs. Can
3: I just thank you for opening the uh, base layer door for me? Oh, That's God. I was, was going to try and not yeah. mention it. <laughs> I've just, uh, I just remembered...
1: Yeah, sorry, go on.
3: Going on, no, you. no, I haven't got anything more to say about as yeah. yet. It'll come up later. <laughs> it won't <laughs> okay. hold that thought. Hold that I'm going
1: to
0: edit it out. Um. <laughs> no. um, I was just going to say no. we, we've talked about um, like things like the Adidas logo, um, oh, yeah, almost overpowering a kit. And and I've mentioned before certain things like, like, I don't like overly done design cues, I don't mind insane shirts, but just when when some when a bit of design seems to be on a kit for no reason other than like they couldn't think of anything else um so in terms of design like that do you do you actually think that certain things end up cluttering kits or and also like logos um and not, i think we've had kits before like Puma, I think went through a phase of having about three or four Puma cat logos all over their shirts. So it's, it's just, do you think sometimes that people overdo it on the, um, not just on the design, but in terms of logo placement, and uh, obviously in, in a lot of um, foreign lands, uh, you often get like about five or six sponsors <coughs> on it, which actually, to be honest, I quite like that. <laughs>
2: well, I'm, I'm yeah. going to be kind of controversial. I know a lot of, I get a lot of stick for this, considering people think I'm a traditionalist, but I also agree with you. I love I love a load of sponsors on a shirt. I think, especially now, I'm seeing a lot on the on the sleeves more, and I think they look really really good. And I would rather see that generating a bit of income for the club than have a sleeve patch. I think sleeve patches are a waste of time. Personally, I don't see. They seem to be getting bigger and bigger, and um, don't really contribute anything to the to the design or the club. The
0: biggest crime, that, to me, that sleeve patches have actually induced is the break in the Adidas three stripes. Because, oh, yes. so, see, my, my opinion on that is if you're going to break the stripes, don't, con- con- don't continue them at the bottom for about an inch of the shirt. <laughs> it just looks stupid. It's like, I think the Argentina one from 2010 had that. Literally about an inch of stripe at the bottom of the sleeve. Just don't do that. Just stop it at the shoulder like Liverpool had in the 80s. It's it's fine.
2: And that's that's the thing with going back to West Ham again. The new West Ham kit, you know, I know it's very popular, but for me, the the stripe should have stopped at the shoulder. Why continue them onto the, you know, I know Adidas are very, very brand heavy and more so than any other designer, you know, they're really conscious to, force their brand I mean they 're the only ones that actually have their name on their on their logo as well at the moment, but mm. they 've got to do something different with those, and I think sleeve patches you're right have, have set that trend that are, that you know it, they're influencing the design too much
3: yeah i i think I think it's actually a concession the the sleeve patches the sleeve patches being used, and then the the brake coming in the Adidas stripes that 's actually come about because because you don't see it in South America, for example. It's come about because UEFA have got, obviously got to deal with Adidas. and you, You'll be the ones who get sued for this, so I don't actually care. The, <laughs> the, all all the uh, opinions
0: expressed on this podcast are the held by the people themselves. <laughs> football Attic has no well responsibility.
3: <laughs> well, what happened well done, is, in, if you look at, say, look at Man United win the treble in 98, 99, they wore a special kit in Europe, and that was because their domestic <coughs> kit had the Umbro... Um, diamond strip thing down the sleeves and they weren't allowed to wear that in Europe because of excessive branding now Adidas have always been allowed to have their stripes in Europe to the extent that Ajax domestically don't have stripes on their sleeves but they part of the deal with Adidas is they do wear the stripes in Europe so what's actually happened is the, the other brands it seems uh, I'm, I'm speculating here I don't know this for sure but I would assume that the other brands have gone to UEFA and said what's actually going on here the Adidas are allowed to have their three stripes. We're not allowed to have more than more than one logo. We have to take Puma logos off the off the sleeves, like you mentioned. So there's European versions of Puma kits, I think, as well that don't have as many Puma logos. So eventually, UEFA relented and said, "Okay, well, you've got to have spare space on the sleeves, so we're, we're going to limit that a little bit." And the reason we'll give is uh, there's uh, sleeve patches. We've got to have sleeve patches. So and and that's interfering with the sleeve patches or something like that. But but I think that's what it is. It's, it's down to the other manufacturers looking at Adidas and saying they're being treated differently to us.
2: Mm.
3: Interesting. I did my, not know that.
2: My theory on no, that is... Like, I've got a theory as well. It's slightly different. And it, it goes back to a Newcastle Adidas shirt. I don't you remember it a few years back, where on the back of the shirt they had a huge shield. Oh, God. And that's where the, num- <laughs> <where> the number <laughs> Remember of, the one?
1: One of Rich's yeah. favourite ones, that is. <laughs> yeah. I was...
2: I always thought if you saw that shirt and you didn't have a number on there, it looked like something was missing, and I felt yes. is that is that a technique to make people also buy numbers? Yeah, Coventry,
0: Coventry yeah, the number. had the same thing. We had a, okay. a Cox cocksportif one with a, a, sort oh, of a giant circle on the back of it, and it, the circle itself I think has a kind of fade pattern on it, and it just looked awful. It just That's looked right. like you'd have this giant sort of blob stuck on your back. And again, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, I've I've actually mentioned that I did a Shield one uh, before in the podcast I oh. just derided it purely because it's just <laughs> again for that exact reason if you don't stick a number in it it just looks stupid
2: and well for that principle then I mean, my suspicions and again you know it's just totally my view and I, I could be completely off the mark i always thought if they leave a gap there considering the, the you know adidas and fifa and uefa so closely you know in bed with each other i guess leaving a gap is it is it calling out for something to go in i.e a sleeve patch if you're looking at a major tournament is it something to do with that? Is it an idea to sell more sleeve patches?
3: Yeah, I think it's that as well. So I'm I'm gonna say that that thing I said before was rubbish. Just ignore <laughs> that. I'm gonna blame John, but it's down to um, them wanting people to buy the patches that go on sleeves. And I'm I'm gonna blame another corporate organisation for this. So I'll go with Barclays. It's to do with Barclays because Barclays want every kid in the country to have a uh, a Barclays logo on their sleeve. Yeah, interesting.
2: Yeah, it could be. <laughs> I'm feeling a lot of hate today. <laughs> <laughs> no, we see this is the thing, I think we all of us, I mean when any ever any media thing does top ten worst kits and all that. I don't know about you, I'd like to see <clears throat> top ten best kits. I'd like to you know Absolutely. which is what true colours is all about, was celebrating kit yep. design. I mean we're critical, but we 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 love them all the same, you know.
0: Yeah, but everybody knows that good news doesn't sell. Well, so, that's true, yeah. yeah. Again um, and I have
1: to say I have to say, with regards to uh, uh, the Football Attic blog site, I started off doing features like the best five of whatever it, the category happened to be, and that was going well until Rich decided to throw in his counter argument, which was always <laughs> the worst five of that particular subject. So, you know, look, well, as, as we, can we can found out, you, I be, tried.
0: As we found out with the best and worst of Sabutio, Chris, which one got more hits? Which one got picked <laughs> up by The Guardian? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> know oh, it's, it's always just a the cruel world we live in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: so that's why from now on, I'm just only ever doing the worst of everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the worst. I'm so of... just
3: going back to the. Sorry, I was just going to Yeah, no, I was going to drag it back to the original question because uh, yeah. I, I didn't like the tangent that we were going off that You started um, it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, the the sponsorship on the on the kit. So I, I am against uh, the amount of sort of Puma logos and stuff. And what happened in sort of 2009, when the whole Umbro Taylor buy thing came out, that's when they anything that was superfluous they removed, and they said, okay, we're going to have it it simple <coughs> and straightforward. Now, mm. the the Umbro kits, particularly of two seasons before 2007 to 2008. They were just covered in all kinds of crap. There's mm, stuff yeah. you really didn't mm. need, like so many Umbro logos and little flashes down the side. Yeah. And yeah. generally, that was just awful. Particularly on the England kit of that yeah. of totally that agree. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've um, ranted about that van, before. I concur. The only thing, the only time that worked, and it worked brilliantly, it was this is the second best whole city kit ever. Is the 2007-2008 kit because it's it's all that amber or whatever colour they wear. But then the side panels, which look terrible on every other kit, are made up of little diamonds, umbro diamonds. That's like the background pattern. But because it's them and the the detail on the shoulder, it's all in black, it looks like tiger stripes on the shoulder and on the Hmm. side panels it looks like a a little sort of glimpse of tiger stripes as well there. So that's like one of the best kits I've ever seen. But I think they fluked it. Because they just had all this stuff and it just I've, just, well I've just I've just looked part. that
0: one up, and if it's the one I'm thinking it is it's the same one as it's basically the same templates they had for England that year, yeah, uh, which was crap um yeah <laughs> it, it although but you're right, it actually does work better in mm. the whole kit, mainly because it's two tone it's not yeah, like loads of different colors, and that's that's i mean the England one just literally looked like oh, well no, i won't go on about it because i've covered, <laughs> I've covered that many times that one. one. <laughs> Yeah, well, West Ham had
1: had uh, had that template at the time, and it it almost looked good, but it was just a bit too messy. There was too many mm. bits and pieces all over the place in different colours, and it just—I don't know—just it just didn't come together. But I, yeah, complete. Take your point on that one, Jay. With uh, with regards to the whole one, it does look very effective, it works for
2: Hull. I think in theory that template did work well, apart from the fiddly little bits and little motifs and the holographic Mm. stickers and the stitching, but the actual design, of course I think Birmingham and Wigan had it too, it worked Mm. as a template because it worked so well that you could, in classic template style, remove a bit, change a bit, but essentially it's still the same design and I think it was so flexible that it, it worked well, but it was just too fiddly.
1: Yeah. I think there's there's definitely an element there wouldn't you say John um, <clears throat> what uh, uh, Umbro were trying to do at the time with that template is that they were almost harking back to that period of the late 70s when they had all the diamonds running down the sleeves and everything and they sort of thought well how can we reinvent that for a period sort of 30 years on and and, and they kind of added a little bit more sort of randomness in in some respects to it and it was yeah it wasn't quite as finessed as I would like it to have been but do you think that's what they were trying to do?
2: Possibly because I mean that if I remember correctly it had the 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 diamond taping on the shoulders what was interesting about that and this is again why I wish Adidas would look at this is that they the the taping went from front to back it wasn't just sort of on straight lines it was a real 360 degree shirt Mm. in in as much as it curved round and I know rugby kits do that as well that I thought was good. You know, the fact that hmm. it wasn't designed to be looked at from front or back. It was designed to be seen as a whole kind of cohesive item. I still yeah,
0: think my yeah. theory is correct, which was that basically they got some designer. It was like, bring your child to work day. And he brought <laughs> in his little bag of coloured shapes. And then he just arranged them into a nice pattern. And then he sneezed and they went everywhere. And that's well, that's how that happened.
2: Well, maybe I, I suspect it was. It was. Uh, I, I feel it was a David Blanche um, who was the Umbro kind of one of the key designers there. I think it was him, but maybe maybe he has got a Charlie in, Rich, we'll never know.
1: <laughs> one way or the other, we're going to put him in touch with you, Rich, and yeah. you can yeah.
3: We can, yeah. Deal with him can
2: argue this out in a car park somewhere.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think to, one thing- to David Blanche's credit, I think he actually came up with the replacement as well. He was heavily involved in in the replacement, which was the. The Taylor Bly shirt in two thousand and nine. Yeah. So, and and I think he's he's done a kit this season. Um, I think it's Eintracht Frankfurt. He he designed, um, which is is worth having a look at because it's got mm. the watermark is like um, it's textured and it. I think it's based on like the windows of a, of a of an office block or something, which is a bit like the Gherkin in London. But it's a it's like a, a really good print. So, just to to give um, some props to. David Blanche because
2: he's, uh, he's a pretty good guy oh massive, massive. I mean, when we talk about setting trends and stuff as well he's someone that with, with Umbro especially set trends destroyed them set new trends destroyed you know, he went through that cycle and, and has a you know, huge impact on kit design
1: Fair enough, and, I can, and my my random uh, Eintracht Frankfurt anecdote is that uh, I discovered recently that uh, we've mentioned on our podcast before the the whole uh, Admiral Tramlines uh, legendary design uh, that was worn by teams <coughs> like Coventry and Wales and heaven knows who else in the seventies. Eintracht Frankfurt had a tramlines kit, as I discovered and, and indeed wrote about on our blog site a while back. A nice white kit, all in white, and it had black tramlines. And uh, a bit random, the fact that uh, it ended up being worn by Eintracht Frankfurt, but nonetheless, a very nice kit. There we go. Anyway, we oh. can all move on now.
0: I like the way you said your Eintracht Frank- Frankfurt anecdote. Like, everybody has one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they? I, I'm not sure. I personally, I'd have to search my memory bank to see if I do have one, but... um um in terms of design then um obviously we've talked about overcluttering designs now this is this is a controversial point in terms of keeping it simple what does everybody think about the latest trend for one color kits like spain wearing red shorts and italy in all blue and france in all blue etc uh
3: can i tell a uh, eintracht frankfurt <laughs> an yes. oh um, go on the, the sausages <coughs> that we call frankfurters in this country, in in France they're called saucisses de <clears throat> Uh I don't really know why. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say they're called Eintrachters or something. No, no, it's it's only really related to sausages.
0: Actually, I've just thought I do have That's an Eintracht fine. Frankfurt um, anecdote, and that is that <laughs> one time in in my dis, in my sort of quite near past, I was on a podcast and someone mentioned a random Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, thing, uh, that that's my anecdote so what, would happen, what would happen if I like went Frankfurt played Hamburg? <laughs> oh
2: dear Cholesterol
0: Or what would happen okay. if they played All Day Breakfast FC? <laughs> <laughs> the uh,
3: all, all colour kits you say? Yes um. <laughs> <laughs> At least someone's keeping this on track Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I love it and hate it I, I hate the sort of desecration of a tradition like that but I understand the points of it as well because clashes are are really I think we need to give uh, a bit of a mention to Dennis Hurley who's come up with the phrase um, overall clash which is a Mm -hmm. huge problem in football where people think that uh, a red shirt white shorts and red socks doesn't clash with the vice versa to whatever I've just said which is I think white short white shirt red shorts and white socks. That is a clash. And because the individual elements don't clash with each other, people think, oh that that'll be fine, but it doesn't work. So the the whole thing about wearing one colour kits is to to stop that problem happening. So it is clear that one team is wearing blue and the other team is wearing red. And they're they differentiating them like that. So I, I agree with the principle but when a team has always worn white shorts with their red shirt and so on, or, or in the case of Spain, black shorts or blue shorts or whatever with the red shirt, then to suddenly have them wearing all red is, is a bit dodgy, but someone will tell the Liverpool story in a minute, I'm sure.
0: So, well, I was just <laughs> going to say my response to that would be that <clears throat> based on that, um, all what, well, like one color kits are in effect an answer to a question or a problem that doesn't exist because we seem to have managed for over a hundred years with, different coloured shorts and socks and oh. suddenly someone's gone oh this is a problem uh, people are getting really confused because he's wearing re- even though he's wearing the majority of what he's wearing is like a different colour to what I'm wearing he's got shorts that I've worn once and that's confusing me <laughs> I don't know if footballers aren't exactly the brightest people in the world but you know I, I just again I just think it's a problem that doesn't
3: exist So, it's- well it, it's not a problem for, for the players I don't think we're trying to solve it for the players we're trying to solve it because it's because football is so commercial now, if someone glances at a screen and says, Oh, this is a bit of a problem, then they might change the channel. And I think it's, it's as simple as that. If you've got a mix of players in the, in a penalty box for when a free kick's being taken or a corner's being taken and someone actually looks and says, Oh, I can't actually tell what's going on or it's, it's even worth too much effort to work out what's going on. I, I think that's what it comes down to. I think
2: you're, you're exactly right, Joe. I mean, it's really weird because I was watching Match of the Day this morning and watching the um, Everton Hull game. And with the Everton, Everton's massive kind of white stripes around their cuffs, when you watch that on TV, you're kind of thinking, do you know what, there isn't actually, proportionally, a huge amount of blue on the shirt. Well, there is, but there's a lot of white there as well. And I think you're right. I think, from, and from Rich, what you're saying is what, what they're doing it's it's all about watching it on TV. You know, if you're in the crowd or you're actually playing, it's not so much of a problem. But in the last 20 or 25 years, it's more and more TV coverage. Every game is televised or recorded. It's down to that. It's it's watching, watching a match that small on a screen. I think. So, I think ba- that's... so basically,
0: we're catering for idiots then that can't see the difference.
2: <laughs> it, well, I mean, I, I guess. FIFA or UEFA would say it's all about clarity on the pitch. But, of course, that's a nonsense in some respects. When you look at uh, you know, uh, uh, Everton playing Man City and they're both wearing blue, things like that, you think, well, just where you awake it, make it as clear as possible what team is which. That's surely what it's all about. But What I think they need also, to
0: do, then, the obvious answer to that is to have giant wording on it that says Newcastle. Right, yeah. across the shirt. Oh, don't
2: give them a, don't give that don't give them ideas. They probably come soon. Doing that, but it, actually, that's
0: ironically, that's one thing that I miss off the Mexico kits is they don't have Mexico written on it on the back. Anymore. That was or the, great.
2: Or the old uh, Soviet Union ones as well. Always, yeah, uh, exactly. Very I was on, I, th-
0: I was wondering what company CCCP was, why they were sponsoring a team.
2: But no, I think sure. I I agree with Rich. I can see why it's happening. I don't agree with it, but I can see. They they've got themselves into a bit of a tricky situation now. And I mean and it, it's always been it was first mentioned to me by um one of the guys at Umbro back in two thousand and five that this was happening and that, you know, and they were having to accommodate it and think about colourways when they put put shirts together, put kits together. Hmm. They
3: I, think my, not. <laughs> <clears throat> I think the um Another well, it might be interesting. I'm not sure, but it's a lo- it's a rule that's been brought in, or it's it's a recommendation. That it seems that it's been brought in by UEFA and FIFA again. Um, but the first teams to really go down that road <coughs> were were teams that had their kits made by Umbro and Nike, and, and Adidas were like the ones who were still going yeah, against true. it. It's true. Yeah. Uh, but but now I think it has changed. I think France played Spain few months ago, and Spain were all red, and it looks like their kit for the World Cup is going to be all red. Uh, So I think the the World Cup is going to be quite shocking, the um, um, the amount um, of teams that are going to be wearing one-colour kits.
2: When the last Umbro England kit came out, they did say to me then that for qualifying seasons, the kit would be white shirts, blue shorts, but for tournaments, actually when they're playing in the tournament, that kit would be single-colour, so they were very much gearing up to major tournaments. Um, Yeah. So again, it's there's obviously directives there that are pushing that, but yeah. you know Dennis's point about the overall clash is important as well because they've they've talked about the fact that if you're wearing white shirts, you can't play a team wearing white sh- uh, socks. Again, it's 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 all about reducing yeah. the amount of different colours on the pitch.
0: I mean, in terms of the one colour kits, um, one of the uh, one of the guys who is quite a regular visitor to the site guy and, and also loves Argentina kits, uh, James Taylor. Um he actually mentioned, we were talking about this, and he actually said, what's interesting is the fact that Germany don't seem to ever wear all white. They never change their black <laughs> shorts. And I thought, actually, yeah, of all the teams that have done it, because obviously England have had white shorts, and Italy and France and Spain, all the major nations have done it. And Brazil are another one that don't seem to have done. Because can you imagine Brazil in all yellow? <laughs> wow, well, I think I think, I
1: think West Germany will. wore all... I think West Germany wore all white for uh, isolated occasions in the seventies, um, particularly in the 1970 world cup, I seem to remember. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's a rarity. Um, I mean, I, my, my view is I don't mind. I think if, if teams want to do it every once in a while, like England have gone to all white um, on occasions for, for a year or two, or if I find, you know, just, just for the odd occasion, that's okay. Um, but, um, but on a, on a, kind of continuous basis I don't think it's it's the way forward really but um, I was just thinking I think a lot of this if you track it back it actually goes back to the days of black and white TV uh, when you had to have very clear delineation between which team was wearing one kit and which was wearing the other um so you had to be able to quite often you hear the commentator saying so and so are the team in the white shorts and it was almost like it was like a predetermined. you know you've got to have this as part of your kit if not if if you're not wearing all one color then at least have bright colored shorts or something um yeah yeah, that was uh,
2: that's that was all about the um again in major tournaments in world cup finals and and um, european championships that was definitely the light shirt and the dark shirt, wasn't it? That yeah. was always yeah. the the way forward. I was up in the um, in Scotland recently, looking at the uh, the Scottish uh, Football Museum, and they had a, a Scotland shirt when they played Hungary in the fi- in the, I think it was in the fifties, and uh, mm. it was like an Arsenal style Scotland shirt with white sleeves wow. that was specially introduced so- just for TV because they would have they would have clashed with Hungary Hungary's red.
0: Sounds pretty groovy. Actually, that was, that was one thing I was quite pleased to see when the last round of qualifiers were played the other day. Was Scotland was still wearing three different colours, which was obviously the, the, the dark blue mm. shirts, white shorts, and the red socks. And I just thought, because that in itself is such an, an odd colour combination in itself, but it's obviously based you know heavily in tradition there. And I just thought, you know, what yeah, definitely. would you know, Scotland end up wearing all dark blue? I that
2: would be quite nice, actually. Well, they, they have, have done it. it. <laughs> they've done it in recent years. I think the last Deodora kit was all dark blue with gold, yeah. gold trimming. But, no, for me, it's, yeah, it's a prime example. Scotland are very fortunate in a way that, you know, they've got the blue, the white, and the red. It's a distinct colour scheme. But so many clubs, clubs like Leicester and Birmingham, you know, they switch from all blue, blue shirts, white shorts. So many clubs don't have a, um, a definitive short colour, if you know what Comptry I mean.
0: Coventry don't. Coventry don't. I mean, Coventry don't yeah. even have a definitive... Sure. Well, no, but you know. <laughs> they can't work out between uh, sky blue or, or stripes.
2: But then neither can Wigan and Hull. Again, yeah, Wigan, from single colour. You
0: know. Wigan. Uh, I think it was also Reading as well. They went through a phase where they ended up with very strange shirts because I think when I first was into football, Reading had this kind of almost the penguin kit, but it was light light blue on the yeah. outside and white. Patrick and then I one, think yeah. yeah, and then and then they had. Um, I think they've had uh, red. Uh, sorry, not red, <laughs> blue and white stripes before. Um, and they also had that one that was kind of like a wavy pattern, which was just looked grey. That was a Yeah, and then they've switched to just stripes and it's just like, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And, and of course hoops as well. So it, it's, again, it's, it's almost unfortunate. And I suppose what the way the people, the authorities look at this and think, well, you know, okay, if, if shorts aren't that precious, let's, let's go for single colour kits.
1: It's funny, funny you mentioned that. I can, I can now kind of complete the loop talking about reading there, actually. Because, um, um, and here's my blatant plug for my own uh, football kit illustration website. Everyone, uh, Kiplis is what it's called. Kipless.blogspot.co.nz. Get along to it now. Well, actually, after you've listened, Um, just I've been recently I've been illustrating a lot of kits from the (coughs) late '60s and early '70s, just because I happen to have the kind of research material around. And um, literally just the other day, I did the Redding kit, which was all sky blue. Can you believe that's uh, that's? kind of ties up with both ends of the conversation
2: when was that so from chris there you go. when was that
1: from? that would have been um 67 68 i think was a season um oh, okay. all pale blue they only had it for about a season or two and then they went back to um hoops again i think blue right. and white hoops which is kind of like the traditional obviously what they wear now uh, but yes it's just funny how some teams just kind of suddenly go a bit off the scale and go for something utterly utterly different and then Obviously, if it, doesn't, if, if it doesn't work with the fans, they just go back again and sort of uh, switch back again to what they had before. Yes, uh, so that, that address again, everyone, it's kitbliss.blogspot.co.nz. Uh,
0: <laughs> if it's an awkward silence, fill it with a plug. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to say then, and um, we've touched on this in a separate podcast before, but it does kind of touch on kit design. And that is um, club badges. Where do we stand on changes of club badges?
2: Well, um, on the neck. I think if they're done well, then yeah, all, all for it. They've got to be modernised. They've got to be improved. If they're done well, I'm all for it. Some more so than others, though, of course. Yeah. Well, we're and, not um, mentioning Everton, are we? I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I would even That's... say if you look at look at Arsenal. I was I was working on some Arsenal kits recently, and you look at the old classic badge from the seventies and eighties to what they have now. You know, it's yeah. it's um, it doesn't quite hit the spot for me.
0: No. Well, yeah. the, the the I mean, well, I think we covered this before as well. Was that, I mean, the funny thing with a lot of badges is, that if you look at Arsenal's badge in itself, the one they got rid of when they updated it to the one they've got now, they'd only had that for a few years because they kept refining it. In the I think in the early eighties, the seventies and the early eighties, it was just the cannon, and mm-hmm. then they kind of put the shield around it, and then they kind of dumbed it down by having well, this cartoon cannon on the front. Of it.
2: <laughs> Arsenal's, Arsenal's um, sort of, uh, you know, agenda was slightly different because they were trying to thwart the unofficial yeah. merchandise. Exactly. Yes. But with Everton, again, it's I'm I'm guessing, and Jay Jay will probably know more. It's to do with uh, cost of reproduction on shirts, trying to kinda get replica shirts made as cheaply as possible by not having overly mm. complex badges with different elements to it. Well,
0: they also said so it was costs. down to um, um scaling as well, so that when you scale certain things down, it doesn't scale properly i can i I totally understand like so when we talked about this we we totally understood the reasons for doing it it's often the execution but i i do find it funny that people are incredibly precious over it nowadays whereas 20 30 years ago people didn't give a toss you know it's like badges changed all the time i mean as sad as it is one of the things i do like about that i do like doing with true colors is going through and tracing the changes of badges and there's very few teams that have actually still got the same badges when true colours started i think um norwich and forest are two of them but forest's badge in itself and i think we talked about this before is is actually had that have changed at any point you'd look back at the badge that forest have got now and say wow that looks so dated it looks so 70s you know whereas yeah because right. they've kept it it's just like oh that's a classic badge
2: and southampton as well is another good example yeah yeah, yeah. yeah they've worked but also as well it's the um Again, it's it's modern necessity that needs to do it, and of course, there's all sorts of design elements. Yes, about shrinking down is important with a logo, but it's um, I think more people have got a voice now as well, haven't they? Everyone can state their complaints. Oh, of and look what we've had this season yep. with with the Everton thing, with Cardiff with their shorts. You know the power, <laughs> and again, with with, Jay, with design football, the power that people have in saying, do you know what? I don't like this, and and the clubs oh. are, the clubs are listening.
3: Yeah, I think the thing with Everton is. Because it's just a shambles, the whole thing. So they they created this new crest. They obviously hadn't checked with the fans. It it almost doesn't matter whether they whether it is a good crest, whether it's a good design or not. The fact is, if you don't go to the fans and check, then and I think this is worth remembering now more than ever. The fans still own the club. It doesn't matter what the setup is. It doesn't matter who who has whether it's floated on the stock market, whether it's uh, someone from Kuwait who owns the club. The fans will have that say and things can go very very badly wrong if you ignore your fans completely they they still have that power and we still I, no, I don't we still think have they them. do I don't think they do uh, if you, well,
0: just ask Mr Tan down at Cardiff because he hasn't changed back and I think because because they over. haven't
3: fought hard enough because the fans haven't List, fought are hard you listening to this Cardiff
0: fans Jay says you haven't fought hard enough
3: <laughs> and and when they do a shorts thing where they go oh 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 you don't like the shorts Oh, oh, okay. Well, what we'll do is we'll involve you, and and you can you can choose the shorts. And <laughs> everyone goes, oh look, they're good guys. Let's change the colour of the shorts. Don't believe it for a second. It's a PR exercise, the whole thing. Of course it is. And yeah. The the Everton thing, they they came along. They said this is the new crest, and Everton fans were up in arms, obviously. And it's it, you say it's twenty years ago that people didn't care. You didn't have. You didn't have the accessibility to the club directly. You couldn't at them in a tweet, which took 30 seconds to write, or 10 seconds to write even. And then suddenly there's 10,000 of those tweets saying, we don't like your crest. So you you used to sit down with your quill and your inkwell (laughs) and write a a strongly worded letter. And no one could be bothered to do that. So that's what's actually changed. that You can contact the club quickly like that. And I think... People do need to know, and you, as a Coventry fan, need to move your club back to Coventry. No, I don't know
0: anything about that. I quite like it in Northampton. No, I
3: don't really. I am just. Joking. No, it's horrible. <laughs> I, going
1: I was going to um, actually chipping a, a sort of question here in, in terms of when clubs uh, change either their kit or their logo, or heaven forbid, both at the same time. Um, who do you think should be? Who do you think should have the final say on, on when the, what those changes are? Should it be? the fans alone should it be the club alone or should it be maybe some kind of composite panel of maybe a couple of people from the club a couple of people from the supporters group a couple of people from the manufacturers and or yeah what's what would you suggest is the best solution that, that, who should have supposedly, say?
0: that's supposedly what everton did they did consult with them <laughs> that's according oh, to the, according well, to the, in the that club, case so i retract my question and that that's half the issue because they said well i mean like I've said before, I don't, I don't know to what degree they did. They, they had a bunch of fans in for a focus group. I don't think they then designed the logo and went back to the fans and said, do you like this logo? But they focus grouped it and said, right, these are the important elements. But so I don't know. I don't know. It's, but the I suppose the point is, from a club, it must be a nightmare. You look at things and you go, right. We want to do this. We want to do this. This could save us X amount of pounds, or it could generate this much revenue. Great. Now I've got to go and consult, you know, thirty, forty thousand people and see if they all agree. And it's just like if you're the owner of a club, like for instance, like Vincent Tan. I can totally understand why you just think, you know what, stick it. I'll just do what I want. I own this bloody club. They don't. I know they give me money, but and and then it, and it is a test to a degree of right. Okay. How much do you care? Because it's like, you know, I mean, it's like, I'm going to change the complete ethos of this club and change the badge and everything and have a little dragon stamping on a bluebird just to, you know, kind of really, really bring it home. And let's see how many of you still turn up every week. It's like, oh, we've got premiership football. Oh, look, loads of you are turning up. And it's just like, it's it's, once one does it, it kind of opens the door, and I know a lot of a lot of others have tried it, and there is a lot more of backlash. But I wouldn't say that the Cardiff backlash was small. But there's an awful lot of people still going to Cardiff because they want the Premiership football, and it then comes down to okay, do you want success at any cost? And you have to understand that when I say at any cost, it is any cost. Or do you want your tradition? And traditionally, you've been in like you know the third division. So do you want to keep that bit as
2: well? I think the Cardiff thing. What really bugs me most about that. I don't know what you guys think. Is the fact that they've still got a blue away shirt? To me, that's, that's just taking rubbing. the Mick, isn't it? Well, it is. it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like having an affair. It's like saying to your partner, "I'm going to go and have an affair with the person over the road, but you can watch." You know, it's, <laughs> it's like it's just rubbing your nose in it. And I think either have the guts and go for a complete change, which I don't think they should do. I just don't think. Although kits are so important and colours important, heritage <clears> is important <throat> too. And what? How much more would it? How much more special would it have been for a Cardiff fan to see their team, who they've followed for years and years in the history of the club, playing in the Premiership in blue? That, that would have been a massive thing for them, surely.
0: Are we talking about the fans yeah. in Cardiff or the fans in Malaysia? Well,
2: there you go. Because <laughs> <Exactly.
0: laughs> they're the ones that count, remember.
2: Well, this is, this is it. But I mean, going back to, to Everton as well, I mean, my problem with that badge, it was just a dull design. Yeah. I think design by committee is never good but they they've got to listen to opinions they've got to consider them but it was just a dull dull design there was no there was no movement there was nothing exciting about that badge at all and you know and I and I feel qualified enough to say that having worked in design for so many years that that, that was the problem with it that's why it wasn't a, a great badge it was just a poor design yeah well yeah.
1: this is um this, this sorry joe uh, you say your point first and I'll, and I'll come in after
3: <laughs> yeah I think with, with Everton the the badge was poor um, they may have consulted fans they didn't consult enough because there, there wouldn't have been that backlash so That's everyone right. consults when you take a big decision like that for a new kit, new badge anything like that the fan, Liverpool fans were consulted over the away in third kit from this season really But that, that doesn't make <laughs> no but of really? course really it would only be a, a very small sample but they were They. you so, just don't so
0: the consultation you, was do you like this no we don't well you're having it anyway
3: I, I don't think it works like that i think it works that we bring you into a room we give you coffee and tea we talk to you for an hour about how great liverpool are and you get really excited you're in a really good mood and then we unveil these football shirts and and we say you like them don't you 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 really like them and you go yeah i quite like (laughs) do you want to buy a time shirt i like them actually it's probably
2: very true Jay. that is probably exactly how it happens yeah
3: so i think when they say they will consult with fans but they it needs to be a bigger sample and it needs to be they need to be looking not for the answer that they want but the the answer that they need (laughs) um so it's because so much work goes into it and then they don't want to change the design at the end
0: that raises an interesting point actually because there's been quite a few clubs in recent years who have put the kit to the vote but the only thing i'll say about that is that normally they're three designs which are almost identical apart from like a tiny bit of trim or something and they're usually pretty damn bland designs as well so it's like yeah you can vote for one of these three kits but you know if you can tell the difference between them that's a good start
2: yeah <laughs> yes i mean when you see that it always makes me think okay here's a designer that couldn't decide exactly how to finish <laughs> the outfit therefore we'll we'll <laughs> put that towards a vote but you know so many times this happens southampton got a lot of stick didn't they when they ditched the red and white stripes and I think Umbro wow. got a lot of stick for it as well. Why have Umbro done this? Blah blah blah. It was a direct um, directive from the club. It was the club's choice to change yeah. to all red. So people were blaming Umbro, mm. and it, they they had no. You know, again, it's it's the design brief what said to them. we want a red shirt.
0: I like the fact yeah, yeah. that with that one there was an uproar, and they said, "Oh, don't wear the stripes will come back next season," and they haven't.
2: <laughs> no, no,
0: they've got a change man.
3: manufacturer, didn't they? So that's the that would oh, be I part suppose, of the yes. reason for, I suppose, but. Yeah the The thing with it is that it to answer your question you have you have the club you have the fans so the club want uh, have got a direction they want to go in they've got a marketing teams they they know where they wanna sell they know the new markets the the manufacturer knows about their own brand so they they wanna they want consistency across their entire range and then you've got the fans who actually care and and they, they don't care about the balance sheets, they, they want their club to be their club, They're, it's part of the community and so on. So you have to have all three of those elements involved in the decision. You can't um, ignore any of those elements, because you, you won't have evolution of the kit if you just listen to the fans. Because if you ask a fan, the Liverpool kit last season was so boring but so popular, <laughs> and the, the home kit. So... And it, it's just so bland because if you ask football fans in general, what, what do you want? I want it simple. I want the two badges. I want the sponsor if it has to go on there, and I want a collar. And they they just won't take things forward, and that won't sell year on year. Yeah, it will true. sell for one season, and then everyone's got the kit. And if the kit looks the same next season, the new kit won't sell. So they have to change it every season. So I understand that completely. But you've got to you've got to canvas opinion properly from the fans. Otherwise, you will have a backlash like they've done with Everton. And what's happened with Everton is that they've, the fans have said no, we're not accepting that. They didn't say no to to the extent to say don't even have it in the thirteen fourteen season. Which I think they should have done. They should have said no, you change it now. You actually listen to us because that would have that would have sent a message out to other clubs to say we're not even going to put up with it for a season. So they've agreed to the club saying, oh no, it's too late in the day. We've got to have it for one season. Do you, but then when sorry. sorry. When they've come back, the the designers have gone. It's like they've phoned it in for the for the three options. I know there was fan input, but they've phoned it in with three options that are bland. They're too similar to to the old badge. It was always going to be option A that was chosen by the fans out of those three, and it's and it doesn't fulfil the criteria that they set out in the first place because it does have intricate details still. The the tower is still not accurate. So. So it's as if the designers have gone. Okay, well, if you're not going to listen to us, then have these, and then you decide for yourselves what you want. Exactly. I,
2: I can't yeah. picture the new one off the top of my head. Now, is it is it still housed within a shield or a crest or some kind? Can it be? Can it kind kind of be sewn on as a patch, really? Yeah, I think. It can, it can. Yeah, it can. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I was I was about to say, do, putting my super cynical head on, do you actually think that anyone at these clubs has actually deliberately done any of these things just to generate interest and? almost with the intention of going back to some original crest or kit or something do you actually think that anyone has ever been that cynical to deliberately put something out that they know that people will hate to generate interest and then almost to like boost sales when they change it back
3: again final the, old... the new kits yeah yeah final did it a couple of seasons ago um i think cuz you you saw that they had, they released their kit or they they did some launch pics of the kit around Christmas time for the following season, and and everyone just came out and and all the forums went wild saying, "Oh, these these kits are awful." I remember the the classic statement was, "the co- the collar is an ugly shame," which I particularly <laughs> liked. And and then they re-released the kit and and they re they they brought out another kit which was far more popular. But it just seemed like they were trying to hype up the release of the new kit by by showing you pictures of a kit that was never actually going to be worn.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I mean. I, I, it must it must cross some people's minds, but I suppose that's the thing. If they never actually released it, that's quite a cheap way of doing it. But I suppose with Everton, it's like it's too late. They've done it now. It is going to cost a lot of money putting yeah. it back again.
2: I think it happens in smaller um, kind of uh, smaller versions all the time. I think it always has done. You know, you've got a, a Larry awake away kit, and the next season it's back to plain and simple. Everyone's delighted, and I think it's that, that <laughs> idea of small small little peaks and troughs. Throughout decades, I think that does happen. Whether they're going to be that cynical and go out for a massive rebrand, and uh, and use that as a as a marketing tool, I don't know. But I've got no doubt from a design point of view, it's it's a great way. It's a simple way to solve at least one design problem. You know, okay, what we're we going to do this season? We'll make it quite outrageous. Next season, yeah. we're back to classic, you know, tradition. And I think it's that <laughs> that's how that works. Yeah,
3: I think when when we talk about kits being outrageous, particularly. I'll, I'll keep on going back to it because I hate them so much and I hate Warrior for doing it and I hate the club for allowing it. But the Liverpool kits from this season, the, the change kit and the third kit, there is, I think there is a, a genuine feeling that if we if we have a kit that's that's nice and everyone likes it and it's quite simple, then people who see it will buy it. So you'll have a certain percentage of people who, who will see it, look at it and go, oh yeah, that's a nice kit, I'll go and buy it. When you release a horrendous kit that is spread around the world on Twitter and Facebook. You need a far smaller percentage of the people who see it to actually buy it to make more money. Yeah. Do, does that make sense? Yeah, so it's yeah, like. Yeah. So so that's what I worry about, and I understand it as a marketing ploy. I don't want it being done with one of the most famous and successful football clubs ever. That means a huge amount to a huge amount of people. That's or what Man United. What, Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Is it we've, Is this podcast finished? <laughs> <laughs> I think it is now.
0: You can't punch <laughs> me from where you are.
3: <laughs> the <Not clears>
0: interesting
1: <throat> question, of course, comes: oh. what happens? What happens when Liverpool win, say, the league? Or I not I don't, yeah, I don't think we need to worry about one that. Of, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm talking purely hypothetically. But I mean, uh, let's say they win the FA Cup final or I something, wearing one of those hideous kits. What what happens to its reputation then? People suddenly think, Ah, I remember that that cup final we won. It was a great cup final. We were wearing that kit. Well, it's, it's the too, it's, yeah. it's, it's the Admiral Eighty
0: Two effect, isn't it? Because it's like everyone loves the Admiral Eighty Two England kit, where it was crap. So
1: <laughs> here we go. Again. I'm, I'm, anyway, yeah. sorry, carry on, John.
2: <laughs> no, I think I, yeah, I I think it's I'm with. I mean. Oh dear. We could spend about two oh. hours talking about those Liverpool kits. I think they're they're so poorly considered that I think even if they mm. won you know, the the league where Champions like, League Championship Yeah, I just I don't think it would be salv it would be it would ever be endeared to the Liverpool fans and rightly so. I mean they're mm. they really I don't know what's going on. The fact that they've for the second season run running they've kind of, you know, challenged fans um opinions if you like that worries me because it's almost like they're saying well do you know what we're we're on this path now and we ain't moving we're sticking with this this approach of classic and simple home (coughs) shirts but Larry away kits and that makes me very nervous god knows what they're going to do next year
0: i i quite like them in the sense that they they remind me of early 80s computer games because the third shirt just looks like (laughs) it's got a space invader on it and the the away shirt which is the thing is the white one that just looks like horace goes skiing Yes, do you know (laughs) the the
2: third (laughs) third shirt? I watched that game recently, the um, Sunderland game. The third shirt does remind me of a few of the Reebok away shirts that they did for Man City um, in the early part of the two thousand You know, it wasn't the the away one. Is almost, almost there. I think. I I think there's a few things they needed to change, but it's you know (laughs) there's an idea there, but it's just not executed well.
3: Uh, I think there's there's a lot in that the. That whole—I don't know what you call that—that that shape that's down the bottom of the uh, Liverpool third kit. No, this it's is basically it's, made it's, up. Well, yeah, but that that design is on a Bolton kit from a few years ago, and I think I don't think it's it's a coincidence that they like Reebok, Reebok kits. Re, yeah, yeah, Reebok yeah. Reebok don't make kits anymore, Thank and their God designers needed a new job, so I think I think that some of them have probably gone to Warrior. I think that's probably what's happened. Um, but something that we have to say that last season's Liverpool kit whatever I, I think that was designed by committee and it was it was poor as a result um it didn't excite me is that the, that the
2: home show Jane
3: yeah the home shirt, home show yeah <laughs> <laughs> <slip there>. um, <laughs> um this season's Liverpool home show is brilliant I mean really really that I think that's just superb and and what you say about teams Winning and and the kit becoming iconic as a result, Liverpool's good start to the season actually makes that home shirt um, even even better for me. So I think that's that's true. But Liverpool won the Champions League in 2005 in a pretty poor Reebok kit, and that mm. hasn't suddenly become like this wonderful shirt, what what design masterpiece or anything like that. And mm. and that was a, a pretty thrilling victory. So, but I think that, give I, I, it think time. that comes, I
2: think that comes as well from. Um, and this is where Jay and I disagree. This is—I think—that comes from single season shirts. I, I still think there's not enough time in a single season for a shirt to become truly loved, no matter what they win in it. I think if that had been a yeah. shirt that, had, you know, um, although I think that shirt was worn for two seasons, wasn't it? Yeah, it was two seasons. Yeah. But I think that's often what happens um, when when the designers just got longer to bed in with the fans. But... I don't
0: know. Tell that to the uh, the people who keep whoring out the 1987 COV kit to every <laughs> every opportunity that they get. You know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, yeah, <laughs> to that's be fair, true. that's the only thing we've won in it, so you
3: know. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes a difference. Liverpool have got a lot of iconic kits because they've won like five European Cups and 18 leagues. Yeah, they
0: mostly with pinstripes and big collars, though, aren't they? <laughs>
3: <laughs> Before I was born, I've done that. you'll find
2: in, in Liverpool, again, being pedantic, in Liverpool's classic era, they were one of the only clubs that never wore a collar. They never wore a collar during the 70s, oh. where everyone else seemed to. Um, they always yep. stuck with v-necks or, or crewnecks.
0: So there's the answer. They need to get back to just V-necks and then they might win again. <clears throat> there you go. What, what was the
3: first... First collar was then 96, was it?
2: Um, the first Reebok one. Yeah. Yes, it would have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, with the Ecru yeah. Awakening. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there you It'll go. It's, right like right Ars- there. it's like Arsenal's home shirt as well. For me, Arsenal's home shirt with a collar never looks never looks right. They should always have a crew neck, I think, with an Arsenal shirt, but there you go. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Controversial well, opinions there. <laughs> someone fantastic. Get to, someone got onto Warrior in terms of cut the collars off. Actually, I, I have to say, <laughs> I I do really like Liverpool's kit this season. I Like I say, Liverpool were my first ever team, so I do have a soft spot for them, but, and I, especially the 85 86 kit, I absolutely love that kit because that's proper proper mid 80s shiny, shiny shadow pattern. But, and <laughs> I, I've always been really disappointed by a lot of Liverpool's kits down here because they all just seem to be a bit dull and they should be shiny. I mean, I think the I think the worst one ever, apart from the Reebok years, where, which were just all awful. Um, I think one of the worst ones was the '95-'96, was it? Was it '96? No, it's '95-'96. I think it was the one with the ridiculous, almost Huge like a rough of collar. a ne- of a neck. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't. That's yes, that can't picture of that one.
0: <clears throat> the, the, yeah, the last was, Adidas one. Yeah, it was a slightly darker one. It had a really thick V neck on it. Oh thick yes, white. Yeah. yeah, Stan Collymore yeah. wore it. That's right, and Robbie Fowler bleached
2: hair, if I remember. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah that's right. It. Yeah. That's it. And so yeah. speaking of speaking of uh, again, nice link here, although probably not if I say nice link. Anyway, um, I was going to say, in terms of design features, what if you if you could if you could design your ultimate kit, what features do you include or like, or what features that seem to have disappeared, like the instance the elbow length collar, um, what would you like to see make a comeback?
2: Oh dear. Uh, for me, I think I I do like although I don't like it when it's overused. I miss the old um, um, Umbro diamond taping on the sleeves. Yeah, yeah. I, I always think that. that was that was really good, and provided that's used, you know, intelligently and, and with restraint, that can be a really really smart design feature.
3: So well, the reason why that's not come back is is what I mentioned earlier, because <laughs> it just wouldn't be allowed in Europe. So you'd have know, to have two sure. kits every yeah. season. So but even though Adidas can still have their stripes, so that's where the the anger is from the likes of of Umbro. I I expect I can't speak for them, but yeah, Funnily enough. that great if they brought
0: cause, that. Because that worked for some kits. Because I think the Admiral ones like that would look quite nice as well. And Umbro's worked, but when you when Puma did it, when Puma had the little cat logo all the way down its sleeve, it just looked messy.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it works better with some people than others, and I think, uh, who is the other one that they, um, even Buckters didn't look that great, when you look back at seventeen 70s That it doesn't work well, but yeah, I, know, mm. I, do know, I do know what you mean, I think the other thing, the other designer that I'm just going to sort of butt in with, that I really really love, are Hoops, Hoops Socks, I don't know how that would work with Clashes, but for <laughs> me, Hoops, Hoops Socks, you, you know, is iconic football kit for me. Mm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, yes. Quite a quite a stunning look. Although if you have a hooped shirt as well, it can <laughs> yes. sometimes cause migraines. Actually, has
0: anyone ever released a a, a an entirely hooped kit? Because obviously I have had the Brighton <laughs> one, which had the stripes that carried on on the shorts. But has anyone ever released just a completely hooped mm. shirt?
3: That would the be closest, awesome. I suppose, is the Scotland shorts, say, isn't it? Yeah. That had a hoop across them. But I, I can't think of any other team wearing a wearing hoops on the shorts. But that would um, be that would be
0: awesome. No. Well, when we come
2: round to all-in-one base layer onesies, that's when you might see it. Yes, there
1: you go. Exactly. Yeah. Well, um, we've
2: actually. i oh, go
0: on. Sorry.
1: No, 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 John Richard.
0: I was going to say we've actually been going for an hour and a half. I'd, I'd quite <laughs> happily carry on talking for hours, but Absolutely. I suppose we ought to wrap up at some point. So, is there anything, anything else? Because oh, oh no, we haven't had time to do base layers. Never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
3: Go on, Jay. If you, if you I want to talk wanted... about base layers, do so, please. Well, something you mentioned before, and this is the next step for, for base layers, is that the whole thing is that lo- long sleeve shirts are dying out. So, so few players wear them now. So, you, David Beckham's just retired. He carried on wearing a, a long sleeve shirt right to the end. Torres is rubbish. He carries on wearing a, a long sleeve shirt. So, it is the dinosaurs of football that wear them. So, Best players are now even Fellaini because Man United don't have long sleeved playing wear. They even Fellaini, who usually would wear a long sleeve shirt at, at Everton, is having to wear having to wear a short sleeve shirt with a base layer underneath, and is rubbish as a result. So there, if you're wondering why Fellaini's rubbish, there's your reason. <laughs> um, the next step for base layers. Because I know that was really what your question was. Where, where, what is the future? It was
0: exactly that. Well picked up. Yeah.
3: Um, (laughs) You talk about the Adidas stripes. Well, the next thing Adidas need to do is put stripes on the base layers. So if you're wearing a short sleeve shirt, obviously you don't have the you have a space on the upper arm, but then you can have a continuation of the stripes on the forearm.
0: Actually, that would be quite cool. I would quite like that. Yeah, but exactly are, the same are they, way as to, the shirt. are they allowed to though? Are they allowed to? Because I thought there were I thought there were rules, very strict rules around base layers. I know they yep. they have to be the same colour as the shirt. So I wonder if they're not. I wonder if that's already been tackled and and headed off.
3: The UEFA rule, I think, is that the a short sleeve shirt worn with a base layer should resemble a long sleeve shirt, and for most teams that works. So for Arsenal, it works. For Everton, it works now. Didn't last season because they moved that big cuff thing down the sleeve. But this season, they don't. So on the long-sleeve shirt, that cuff is still on the upper arm. Um, so that that's the rule. that In UEFA competition, anyway, the rule is that as long as it looks like the, the long-sleeve shirt when you wear the combination, then it's okay. So you need stri- Adidas stripes for Adidas shirts, and for hoop shirts striped shirts, the stripes should be on the base layer as well or the hoops should be on the base layer so it looks like a long sleeve shirt
0: Mm -hmm. I I actually think the ultimate evolution of football kit design, talking about onesies and base layers and stuff it will become those blue suits that people wear on hen do's and and stag do's that (laughs) That will become a football kit with just eye holes in it (laughs) I hope so I've got no doubt that will happen
3: I've got that kit anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> have, um, have you got Aguero on the back of it as well? <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> oh, The other thing about base layers, um, the worst thing, Bugbear, is they still haven't released base layers of alternate sleeves. So if you have a shirt that has one blue sleeve and one white sleeve, like Blackburn, the base layers they have to either wear blue base layer or white base layer, so one of the sleeves looks rubbish, and certainly doesn't resemble what the long no, sleeves exactly. look like. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Good so you don't notice it, but you'll joke. notice it now next time you see I, I will
2: as well, yeah. You yeah. do. I must say, from past experience, once Jay mentions this to you, it never leaves your head. You're always <laughs> thinking of alternate base layer sleeves. I know that's the case with me. <laughs> I'm going to start what, dreaming that's about that's that's them. <laughs>
1: That's, that's just opened up weird. the fifth dimension. I hadn't even considered, you know, base layer shirts with the alternate coloured sleeves. They, they do. It exist, by it. Of the course, not need... Yeah. Oh, do they? Okay. Right. Good. <laughs> O'Neill's mate. That's reassuring.
0: <laughs> well, I'm off no, to I the do. shop to buy one now. <laughs> not in Blackburn colours. Right. Anyway, as I said, I suppose <laughs> we ought to wrap up really, as we've been now talking for a very long time. Uh, but is there anything else anyone wanted to mention?
2: not well, off the top of my head no. I
1: don't no I just a very pithy thing that I just I was going to say earlier on when we were talking about sort of all in one kits um, the one uh, colour change which I still mourn to this day and which I hope comes back but I've got a feeling it's now lost forever is um, Spain bringing back their black socks because I used to like seeing the red blue black combination it was really odd but it oh, kind of worked Yeah, nice. and then they went nice. red blue red and then as we've said we've been going all red and just saying oh my god were, the, were they
0: nice. black or were they dark navy
1: no, they were black. They were, they black, were black with black. Um, like a red, red turnovers and yellow stripe on the turnover as well. Just without getting too detailed about these things, but it's just I just thought it was a really wonderful co- combination. You just couldn't have ever sat down. Whoever designed that kit, probably way back decades ago, um, was probably one of, the, one of the only people on the planet who would ever come up with that combination of colours. I think, but it just seems to work. But um, red, blue, red to me just no. Sorry, got to get rid of it. I doubt that they will, but they've got to get rid of it, in my view. Yeah, it's never um,
3: never going to happen. Something that that we I alluded to, but I'll say it quickly: uh, the one colour kits thing. Liverpool used to wear white shorts and white socks in the sixties, mm. and um, one day Bill Shankly came in and said, "Okay, I want to try something different." And he made Ron Yeats, I think, wear uh, red shorts and white socks, um, and he said, "Oh, look, you look about ten foot tall." That's that will scare the opposition in a European game, I think it was. And then Ian St John said, "Why don't we wear red socks as well and be an all in red?" I think there's various versions of this story, but that just needs saying because um, I mentioned it earlier. But some people might not know that story.
1: <laughs> was it wasn't it wasn't it the case that he he I think remembers shankley saying he he'd saw Real Madrid in all white and he just felt that the all, the the one single colour was was made made you look that much more prominent on the, on the pitch and and sort of. Uh, no-nonsense, shall we say, so that's why the they're, they're all-red, there you go, that maybe completes the the, the, the story <laughs> But also, um, just,
2: just as a final point, I must say, talking about how um, big clubs and big manufacturers influence smaller ones, after that period when Liverpool switched to all-red, you saw single-colour kits everywhere in football, mm, home and away kits yeah. it would all go, I think every club at some point had a complete all-white away kit, with no trim nothing on it at all and I think again, it's just you know that was probably the influence for that. Would never
0: happen nowadays because of Twitter and the internet. <laughs> and yeah. So there you go. See, so Shanky was ahead of his time, wasn't he? In many ways,
1: mm. <coughs> he certainly was. Definitely. Indeed. And and on. I was
0: about. Are you about to wrap up then, Chris?
1: I was just saying on that on that bombshell.
0: <laughs> oh God! You've gone all Clarkson. Um, <laughs> right yeah I was about to say I was about to wrap up anyway I was going to say it's been an, I can honestly say it has been an absolute pleasure guys no I've loved oh, it. thanks very yeah. much yeah. thanks really Jay thanks it. John
3: thanks for calling us on that's uh, yeah it is an honour thank you very definitely. much definitely it should be <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You know, wear it with a badge it's, of pride you know?
3: it's taken us an hour and a half but I think finally we've convinced you
1: <laughs> 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 thank you So absolutely inti- like to have you on there chaps
0: indeed yeah uh, so until next time uh, when we'll see you all on the Football Attic podcast again it's be goodbye from me
1: and goodbye from me. Goodbye.
3: Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> There's a classic finish if there was one. <laughs> I didn't know if we were meant to say goodbye. Or no. Are we meant to say goodbye? Bye-bye. So do, do it now. Mm. We'll, we'll add it on the end.